Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. The Toddcast Podcast. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and at ToddHancock.ca. Now I gotta get my face on there for you, brother. Just hang on. How do I do that? Ah, fuck. I hate this goddamn thing. Technology, man. It's so damn confusing. So damn confusing? Oh, okay. There I am. What's going on, buddy? Hello. Look at it. I got my old, my kid shirt on. I'm in uh, Fiasco Studios. Nice, dude. Well, welcome back. I was just checking over the uh, the guests over the over the what nine years? I guess we're doing this now. This is your third time on, man. Third time in nine years. So every three years seems about right. I'd probably say you know maybe five or six times over my time at Sea Fox. So every three years or so. It's funny because I remember the one time that you and I uh, did the interview, and I think I was at the side of eighty three Highway, just outside of Chinupawapka, Dakota oh, Nation. That Talking might have been you. the last time I think that we did it, yeah. <laughs> That's the side <laughs> of the road. But, uh, so fun. So what's well, been going on? Same, man. Same old, same old. My world, really. Kind of, you know, yeah. with the podcast. Kids are getting older, like we were texting today. Like, can't believe my yeah. kids turning 13, going into grade 8. Like, where the where did that happen, man? I know. It is bizarre because the things that you that I heard my father saying, you know, when I right. was younger, there was nothing over here, just trees. <laughs> no, I'm saying the same thing. <laughs> totally, because it's so true, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've got a, I've got a, a grade uh, fiver going to grade six as well. Oh. Fuck, the yeah. time is going, buddy, but it's going, man. Yeah. What's your... I got a little girl at home too. I got a four year old. Oh, you do. That's right. Yeah, Holy Margaret. Shit, what's that like, man? Holy, I couldn't imagine going back to those early, early days like that and how cute they are, man. It's a bit, it, what's really interesting because there was such a space between like our next one up is Benny and he's like 11. So there's quite a space there. Yeah. And yeah, you're a little a calmer as a parent. Those first kids, you know, you're like every time they're near the uh, railing or anything, you're like, ah. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. you're like kids playing with nitroglycerin and matches, and you're like juggling knives <laughs> in the background and shit. You're like, don't drop those knives. Yeah, yeah. dirt's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rub it in your dirt, you'll be fine. Rub it in the scab. So, what was, what, that, what was that thing that Chris Rock used to say? Put some tussin on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cure <laughs> everything with tussin. Totally. So what's what's your world like right now uh, for the band? It's been wild. We just we had one rehearsal so far, um, yeah. and just getting merch items ready for the tour. Kind of like with this little run here is just uh, you know basically I guess it's just uh, BC and Alberta, and, and it's sort of like just getting the yayas out, getting ourselves ready sure. for what to come next. Because you know it has been a very long time since the Conline did a full record campaign where you actually are going after you know opening slots, whatever, just tour, tour, tour. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of just the beginning, the very beginning of this whole campaign. When does this uh, leg of the tour start up? Because it's June 24th in Vancouver, but you're before that though, right? June 1st, uh, we play uh, in Powell River and we play about three dates on the island. Then we have a couple of days and we head into Alberta and into, mm-hmm. the, into the interior. They're all on um, our website. 
but yeah, like it's it's a nice run of dates. I'm really looking forward to seeing. Like, there's some people like you know, my cousin has a band in uh, Edmonton, Bad Communicators. Like, some really you know, so it's going to be amazing to see family and friends and just yeah, yeah like and they're and they're these sweaty clubs too, which is I love dirty sweaty clubs. Yeah, who doesn't, right? <laughs> I already got my, yeah. I already got my tickets. I was mentioning to a buddy. Uh, I think that Econoline Crush, if it's not you guys. It's either you guys or Nickelback that I've seen the most. Like I probably really? seen ten of ten of your shows probably over the years. Yeah, I think you were even at the Hearst show that we did down at the TV, weren't you? We were, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think I, I think I might even uh, MC that for you. That's right. Which uh, <laughs> which band do you think you've seen the most? Well, when we toured with Kiss, I saw them every night. Yeah, uh, how rad he, was that? You know. I tell you know, at, there's a, there's some people that kind of think I don't know they they kind of don't respect Kiss and and I and I really fight them on that because the the band is so they taught me so much about showmanship and just how to kind of hold the audience and and you know the band is just they're they're showmen and I think it was the perfect band for us to play with when we got into America because that's. That's their thing. They like the WWE. They like the kisses, you know? Yeah, and sure. so watching that band every night was just, yeah, it was wild. And, and I mean, they rehearsed every day, like at soundcheck, they'd go over things they didn't, you know, people, I don't know. I just, I think that they're a lot better band than people give them credit for and a lot more musical than people give them credit for. Yeah. And what do you think of the idea that they would just continue with different people playing, but still have the identities of, you know what I mean? Peter Chris and the spaceman and right. The, the demon. And like, what do you think of that idea that it just continues to roll in? Like in 2070, there's still kiss tours. <laughs> well, you know, I saw everything on our tours with kiss, like part of like, so they've been innovators their whole career. So who knows? Like everything that you think may not work or is weird. Uh, they somehow pull off like half of the psycho circus tour was in 3d really wow that's cool oh my god man there's first off the 3d stuff was wild like you know peter chris would go, dude dude he'd hold his sticks out and his sticks would go way out over there you'd be like wow these sticks are coming out over the audience crazy but but the best part was to turn around and see an arena full of people with those 3d glasses on you know <laughs> it looked like a 50s movie gone awry like it was just so but then there was some kind of cost involved with these glasses and all this stuff so Gene Ixnade that. Um, but then like there was there was places where there was like this giant blow-up version of KISS. It was half the size of the arena, like sitting on top of the arena. They had wine, coffins, KISS coffins. They had like, like oh my chainsaws God. and shit, like insane stuff, yeah. right? Insane. And like, oh yeah, every day was just a new merch item or a new kind of, you know, something going on. And it was always entertaining. And yeah. then when you when you play the shows with Kiss, like all these other musicians show up. Like you'll see Sebastian Bach, you know, you'll see all these different bands coming to say hello. The guy, when we played Rockford, Illinois, it was uh, the guitar player from Cheap Trick showed up. Rick, Rick Nielsen, right? Yep. Yeah, he showed up in his 50 something Thunderbird. It was so cool. <laughs> it's amazing, man. You know, that uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. And over the years, we've had, you know, you've, you've talked about tons of career highlights. In fact, I wanted to bring up the Kiss thing. You'd mentioned it, the tour with yeah. Kiss last time. 
what are some other like kind of highlights and stuff from from your career whether it's like I don't know, like a, a show that went kind of sideways or, you know, hilarious fans stories or like pranks that were played on the road while touring, like hit me with some more standout stuff. Well, one of the things like that was kind of funny and fun and, and a moment for me was when we did go to New York to play at Madison Square Gardens, I, I was convinced, you know, I should probably get a new pair of jeans. So I go to Macy's and I'm trying to get these jeans and I'm in the denim section. I'm looking and this girl comes to help me, you know, one of the salespeople. And she was like, what are you looking for? And I said, well, you know, I want to get some jeans uh, playing a show tonight. And she goes, where are you playing? Well, Madison Square Garden. No way. What's your music? What do you sound like? And I paused for a second and I, and I was like, well, this. And it was playing over the store intercom at the exact perfect time. Um, another weird highlight not really a con line but I can remember going to this store in Santa Monica one time and I was getting a coffee and it was kind of like a store where they'd have you know there was vendors in kind of all these spots so in in, so I'm standing there waiting for my coffee and I look behind me and Alanis Morissette is sitting there and she goes hi and I go hi I didn't know she knew or whatever And then I look to my left and um, Lisa Marie Presley tries on this ring. So she puts this ring on and she goes and does the Elvis thing with her lip. And it was so much like her dad. I was just like, whoa, like, what is that? You know? Crazy. And uh, so brand another, yeah. And then another great one was, um, or one that kind of makes me smile is when back when we did the run across Canada with the, with Alice Cooper, catering was wicked. Oh my god! Oh, so yeah. before we before we would go on, I would I would slip uh, chocolate chip cookies in Zig's coat pocket. So when he would go for a pick, he'd pull out this chocolate chip cookie, and I'd be in the middle of a song. All of a sudden, this chocolate chip cookie would come flying across the stage. At me. <laughs> oh, that's great! <laughs> that's great! Oh my god! Yeah. This is the first tour without Ziggy, right? Yeah, we did two shows out, but uh, yeah, it is. It, this is the first full tour, yeah, and uh, it's different. But oh, you know, I what, imagine. you know what's interesting, Todd? Like he had this motorhome that we've uh, that we still use to this day, and we cleaned that thing out. We had a professional cleaning service. I cleaned it. We had these girls come in and clean it. My family had it for a little while. We were ripping around in it. And then one day I'm sitting in the passenger seat in there by myself and something pokes my middle of my back and I spin around and pick up this box. It's a little tin box, open it up and it's all six picks. Oh man. Like, you know, he's around every once in a while. I'll see a pick on the floor at my house and go, how did that get there? Ask the kids. They have no idea. Wow. Um, I think he's with us. I really, really do. I feel him uh, when when we're playing. And if I get, if I'm having a moment, sometimes I say, Zig, give me a hand, brother. You know? <laughs> and how much has he kind of splattered through the new stuff? Like, oh, you, yeah, he's on a lot. His, yeah. Yeah. Like the, we went in, we went into Ashland at one point and it didn't work out, but we were in Ashland for a bit with Sylvia and so Sylvia's vocal is on 
a song called Going Under and Ziggy's guitar is all over it. Ziggy's mm. guitar and he wrote uh, Invincible With Me and his guitar is all over it. Um, one other song too. Uh, shoot. But there's a number of times where he played some overdubs and did some things. Uh, so he's on the record, definitely. Mm. And then in the artwork, we have a, we have a, um, uh, a 63 Impala for kind of the cover. And one of the posters, the plate on the car says Ziggy. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. How old were you when you like started playing seriously? We, I was signed. Like we, I was, we, I came out here, I think 25 was when we started to really hunt for a record deal. I was in a band called One Big Union. We came from Winnipeg. And um, we hooked up with a management team on Seattle, Harris Music Group. The band disbanded, but the Harris Music Group stuck with me. And I uh, I got Conline Crush together with Tom Ferris. And we were signed probably, you know, I think we were signed during that scary 27th year of my life, actually. <laughs> you know, that, that year where everybody's either die or fly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It's a weird yeah, year. How, how weird is that, right? Like, how did that happen? So many iconic musicians die at 27? What? It's just, I don't know why that is. It's sometimes I, I think that it's kind of like when you realize that you're an adult and some people kind of freaks them out. Because, you know, when you're in the bottom half, 25 and under, hey, I'm just a young young man. But when you're 26, 27, now, okay, we're getting a little older here. Sure, starting to throw stones to 30, not 20. Yeah. And I I mean, I don't know what it is, but it is freakishly weird how many people have died at 27. Sure. I mean, you go through it, right? Like yep. Cobain and Morrison and Joplin and Hendrix and like yeah. it's crazy when you really yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, who who are some of your favorite singers? Because of course, like when we think of kind of like Crush, man, we know exactly Trevor's voice. Like, who are some of your favorite? And it kind of led you down the path. I, uh, I, you know, maybe people wouldn't recognize this or wouldn't recognize this, but Michael Hutchins was one of my favorite frontmen. Oh, um, I really enjoy, uh, obviously, Chris Cornell. I loved Ian Ast Asbury, Asbury of uh, the Cult. The Cult. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's not my friend. Billy is, but Ian is not. <laughs> I don't know why, but anyway. But I really think his voice was kind of mesmerizing and oddly like haunting and i thought he was so cool michael hutchins because of the way he fronted that band he was a hell of a front man yeah amazing you know i saw uh in excess probably grade five or six just randomly were in disneyland and there's a band playing no and, way and even at that point like of my life i'm still like pretty heavy into music i got really into it in high school and stuff but like by yeah. then i was like, let's go see what that is. No, no, let's go do Space Mountain. No, no, fuck that. Let's yeah. go see what this is. Exactly. And in excess, man. We watched probably 40, 45 minutes. And like you said, he just something about his, the way he fronted that band. Like, undeniably excellent. What was what was the record at that time? Probably it wasn't Kick yet, Dick, was I guess. It? Was it? Probably. Wow, something, so all the hit, man. Something like that. Oh, it definitely was like all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of my yeah. dude Ooh. i fully agree I, i'm not i'm not sure if i've ever asked you this trevor yeah what was the music in your house growing up oh my gosh this is a great yeah so 
I got to tell you this wild story. One night I was, um, my sister phones me up and she says, Hey, they've moved dad. And I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, well, he's in a different, different hospital now. He's out of emerge, but they didn't have any room. So he's in this, this place in, in, uh, I think it was Strathclair, Manitoba. And it's nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, okay. And as I'm hanging up the phone, I get this just feeling like just so strong. And I look at my wife and I go, I got to go see dad. And she goes, Trevor, it's snowing and it's nine o'clock at night. It can wait till morning. And I go, I'm being told I can't. And she's like, who? And I go, I don't know. I just got to go. And so uh, anyway, I went there and he was, I'm a psychiatric nurse. And so we, I've been trained. So I looked at his legs and I realized he didn't have a lot of time. So I played all the music um, with him and talked to him about by uh, it was basically a monologue the poor bastard had to sit through <laughs> but i, played, <laughs> I couldn't leave <laughs> couldn't leave couldn't dog but i but i said you won't believe this howard itunes has all that crappy music you love so i'm gonna sit here and play you some of your favorites nice dude. he loved roger whitaker he loved harry belafonte he loved chet atkins um and then my mom was a little bit like she liked to guess who she liked Burton Cummings. Mm. Um, so it was all and then the radio AM radio was always on. So like these eyes ding, 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 was like, come on, everybody, 45 minutes and yeah. like all kinds of Harlequin street heart. Like first concert I went to, I think, was a Harlequin street heart at a show. And then I think the next one was um Van Van Halen, nineteen eighty four. Whoa, that was wicked, Panama. <laughs> totally, man. Like, and at that time of the game, like they were untouchable. Those guys, man. The, the, there was a hotel by the Winnipeg Arena that got shut down because it was so out of control. Like everybody in there was partying for the Van Halen show, and they just basically called the fire marshal and kicked everyone out. That yeah. concert was insane. Nice. He did the whole like flipping the knives thing and and you know, Michael Anthony with chugging the Jack Daniels, like all of it. It was so good. So yeah. rock and roll, man. So rock and roll. <laughs> That's great. Let, let me and I think with... one I was gonna say, I think one other highlight was uh when I I'd, I'd met Bob Ezrin kind of randomly through oh, uh, the label we had in the States. And they were working on a Billy Idol song. And uh, Billy was kind of having, going through one of those times in his life where he was, he was struggling a little bit with addiction. And it wasn't working out. And I kind of left the session. But I was so enthralled with meeting Bob Ezrin. And I kind of tried to maintain contact with him and this other guy named Joe Bashara, who was playing keyboards. And so uh, we were in the middle of Virginia somewhere. And I, I just had a moment. And I picked up the phone. And I called uh, Bashara. And I said, how's that? Billy Idol song going. He goes, Oh my God, I don't know. I don't know, man. And I go, well, tell, tell uh, Ezra and I can fix it. And so Ezra was just all harsh, you know, and he was like, you can't fix this song. I can't shine a turd. And I go, but I can shellac the shit out of it. <laughs> and he goes, oh, but, so he lets me, we go into the studio in, in this West Virginia or Virginia or somewhere. And uh, I sing this song. And it's the it's before where we I couldn't send an MP3 yet. It was it was still in that time where it was kind of dating time. So I, I right, but I played the song over the hotel phone. Like I cupped the headphones over and I played it for Ezra. 
And then I get Ezra on back on the phone. I go, listen, do you hear that? And he goes, damn it, kid, that's pretty good. And I go, why, thank you. I go, okay. And that background, so I think should be should be chicks, even though it's me. But I think it should be a female vocal. I think it pop more. And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. You're not that producer. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he's like, ah, I gotta go. You know, <laughs> just like, bam, <laughs> Jesus, that guy. And about, I think two weeks later, he sends me a message and uh, says, me, Billy, and the chicks are in the studio, and it's going great, Trev. Nice, <laughs> dude. That's and awesome. That and that song's called uh, Buried Alive, and it's on um, that, remember Heavy Metal, that really cool movie? Yeah. Well, they, well, they did a Heavy Metal, too. It wasn't that cool, but it's in that movie, Heavy Metal, too. <laughs> okay. Let me, uh, let me, I was going to mention, uh, um, questions i don't don't usually ask uh unless they're musicians because you know this is one of those like really gonna set it apart like who trevor hurst is all about and like who is this kid it's the impossible question of like three albums on the deserted island which which three albums do you need wow (laughs) just like impossible question you know what though when i was a kid this guy gave me this album jean michael jari Jare, is that how you say it? Oxygen? I'm not sure. It's this instrumental stuff. It blew my mind. So that would be one of them. Mm. Do you I still think present day listen to that record? If I, I had, I've gone back there, um, not like a couple years ago, I went back there. It's it's a trip because it's also done like, I, I be, well, obviously there was no sequencers. So he was doing it like yeah. with either you know, some kind of like loop or whatever. Then um, I think like, ah, uh, geez, you know, it, the, the one or two of the Stones records, like Exile on Main Street, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, it's hard. Like today, I think I would say a, a Nine Inch Nails because for a couple of reasons like either fixed or broken or both or maybe the one with survivalism or the one with um yeah like there's so many great ones but and the reason for that would be because like it just reminds me of my friend bill kennedy who worked on fixed and broken and i miss him and he's he's passed away and and the only other flip side would be maybe the the um killing joke uh that raven first played on with love like blood and all that stuff that would be a record too i might be yeah something like mm-hmm. that mm. you know the cool thing about that question is i could ask you like next week and they they may change i'll be just different <laughs> yeah. like yeah depending on your mood really right yeah exactly are you, are you watching the playoffs at all do you care no no more canadian teams Fucking i care a little bit because shit out of everybody like what's going on this year i don't know i love the i love the maple leafs drama because it's so like just what is going on they're like shanahan looking like a lugan fire in this or whatever's going on i can't even figure out well, what's with, going on with, with dubis leaving i was surprised that uh you didn't see matthews like boom instantly like all right see you later then because i thought that those Ooh. guys were thick as thieves like well the, if they're not thick as thieves they're at least connected through their management or agents i think mm-hmm. same agent company represents both of them but i i kind of have a soft spot for vegas there's a lot of manitobans and there's one in particular um white cloud is from uh sioux valley or i, I believe he's uh, uh dakota from sioux valley from that community dakota community there and uh i see a lot 
of Vegas Golden Knights uh, stickers on cars, you know, because of because of that. And there's some more other other guys on that team from Manitoba, but isn't there? I don't know, but I think there I is. think there are. Yeah, I I love yeah. that they're just a couple of years into the into their franchise and they're already like, let's play for the cup. Yeah. So well, Vegas, Vegas must be, it must be an interesting place to play. I would imagine that like, there's gotta be when like, say the Canadians play, it's gotta be half Habs fans. <laughs> you oh, know? I think so. It's like just the musicians alone that I know in, in Vegas. They're right, all like, Yeah, exactly. I was talking to Fitz the other day, Brent Fitz. And yeah. uh, he, he was saying, come on, man, you got to hope for Vegas. There's so many Manitobans. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But are, are you keeping up or no? With I Fitz? am a little bit. Oh, no, I'm not keeping up really that much because once no. once the uh, yeah, once the Canadian teams are out, I'm really bummed. I thought the Oilers were going to do it this year. Like, Ooh, I thought it was McDavid's year. Yeah, big time. He's very young, though. I think that, you know, with some with some moves, they I think they that next year – should be their year. I think so. Like prediction. You know, they had three guys, hundred point guys this year. Yeah. Man, wasn't dry what's his name? Dry Sidle. Yeah. Man. He was surprising. Really, really good. And I can't believe uh what's his name? Kachuk over in uh well, you know, he's probably better than his dad, man. I know. <laughs> That's crazy. Kachuk was a great player. He was great. Well, Jets, right? Yeah. He was their captain? No, that was Howard Chuck. Oh, Dale Howarchuk. Dale Howarchuk. Where did yeah, Keith yeah. Kachuk play? Keith Kachuk? Wasn't he... Uh, Keith Kachuk was... Uh, was he a Flames? Ooh, I don't know if he was. I don't I'm know, but it's very better with music than sports. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. But uh, how about Bedard? Like, do you think Bedard's going to stick around and, and be a, a Blackhawk? Because he wants to play in Vancouver. Wouldn't that be amazing to see Bedard as a Canuck? It would be, but I hate to say it, but like, honest to God, playing for one of those original six, like to play for the Blackhawks for even a few years, like this is the team Stan Makita played for. Come on. Right. <laughs> True enough. Like, I liked, I like Chicago. I like the city too, but I can see why he would want to play in a Canadian market and in Vancouver for particular. I mean, it's a beautiful city and, well, yeah, he lives right over there on the North Shore. So, yeah, I could stay home. <laughs> right, it's like, it's like a five minute drive to the rink. That's why he wants to be here. <laughs> yep. What do you what do you what are you binging lately, man? I have been. Um, gosh, I can't. I'm just trying to think what I was listening to most recently. Um, I, I I I really listen to this is uh, this like I I listen to uh, Sirius uh the alt nation so i like a lot of like kind of this that weird like boy genius you know phoebe bridges and uh some weird like kind of a little bit more i guess poppy stuff sometimes i really enjoy uh the wombats i really enjoy just sort of some of this the royal blood's got a new record coming out yeah i I love those guys like i I love that That song "Trouble," man, that was smart. That that whole last record was wasn't it produced by Josh from Queens of the Stone Age? And, I think so. And then when you know that, you're like, oh fuck! Now I can hear that. Yeah, and the the new Queens of the Stone Age, I'm excited for. Yeah, the uh, motion I, sickness is pretty good. Yeah, and I, I love their drummer, man, John Theodore. Um, he he did a pro- he was in Mars Volta before joining Queens. Oh, was he? Yeah, cool. And, and in between 
those projects in between Mars Volta and Queens of the Stone Age, he did something with Zach De La Roca, the singer of Rage Against the Machine. What was it called? Called One Day as a Lion. Like a four or five song EP. Yeah. Fucking deadly, man. One Day as a Lion. And that's just, that's John Theodore. And I think it may be a keyboardist, but I think it might be just Zach on the keys and just vocals. That's it. Wild. Dude, it's, it's pretty awesome. The traffic right now, like for top tier, you know, really great recordings at radio is unbelievable. It's like everybody got back together or spent time during the pande- pandemic making a record. Like Filters got something out. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody is is putting a record out. Yeah, it's deadly. Uh, Filters' new song, uh, Face Down, is pretty good. I love the Finger Eleven song, uh, the new Finger Eleven song, yeah. uh, Together Again, uh, Together, right? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I really, really like the first uh, time you hear it, you're kind of like, what? And then you listen to it a few times and you can hear and like the guitar work. There's some madness in there. Like, I oh, just yeah. love it. Yeah. 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 The, the Rick and James, man, those boys can play. <laughs> those boys can play. <laughs> like, they look like runaway duck dynasty madmen. I think <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Nice. Hey, are you like uh, wicked, man? Like live, holy. We did two shows with them recently, and it's just like, whoa. Well, those guys can throw down, man. Absolutely, one of the best uh, Canadian rock bands of fuck ever, really. Yeah, they, really they, good they, guy too. And did you get into them when they were called Rainbow Butt Monkeys? Remember that? I do remember that. I do remember that, but it was weird as Rainbow it, Butt Monkeys. Didn't they bust out some rhymes in the middle of things? Like, I think they may have. Yeah, like that. That letters to Chutney album was like you know when when i was like oh that new finger 11 that used to be oh okay so that was the reason why i even gravitated towards finger 11 in the first place was like fuck those are those guys because i right. saw them at like a lala or like a somersault or something like that one of those you know the ones that traveled around and did the big tour yeah. from canada and shit and man those guys have always just been able to play like and i love that everything's coming back around and everybody's putting up music again and i love it i think it's going to be kind of a renaissance like there is times when i would be interviewed and people would talk about kind of like almost wistfully or whatever with you know because of uh you know, times past they'd say wow those edge fest bands in the 90s with all these great canadian bands mm-hmm. and i kind of feel like it's coming around again it's like because everybody put out records even in america and all around the globe practically when the stuff comes out i think that it's going to it like some people are like oh there's just too much music and gonna get lost in the shuffle i don't think so i think it's like people have almost an unending appetite for great music so if you can make great music and if you made great music you're going to be around for this renaissance and i and i'm very confident that we're going to get to play some great shows with bands that we just love and respect I think it's going to be a great time in music in the next for the next three years, four years, whenever, because so much good music is out there. Depeche mm-hmm. Mode for crying out loud as a record and a tour, you know? I know, right? Yeah. Cool. He's just uh, announced Josh Freeze as the new touring drummer. Like, oh, like, do you know how tight that's going to be now? Dude, that's like, not that it wasn't with Taylor, but sure. this is like Josh Freeze is like a machine. Dude, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure the only person in the world that's not happy about it is Sting. Like, <laughs> yeah, taking my what? Taking my drummer? Like, no, no. God, he well, played with a lot of people. He was Devo's drummer for a while. He was Devo's drummer. He was like, he did Nine Inch Nails for a little bit. Um, 
just trying to think of like memorable stuff, perfect circle stuff. Um, who is the who's the current drummer in um uh Guns N' Roses? What's his name? Was that uh, uh Matt Sorum? No, no. Um shoot. But uh when we played this thing called Zeta Fest and uh it was this band Honky Toast Sponge. Honky and Toast we, is a great name. Right? Yeah. So you know, it's weird. Our generation, right? Like, I just like don't Google things. I'm like, I'll remember. Anyway, one day I because I couldn't get over how good the drummer was in Honky Toast. The band had no songs. They had a great name, but the drummer, mm. and he is, and he is currently the drummer in Guns N' Roses. Let, let me uh, now. Now that now that we're here, let me quickly find out. And and, and it was cool. Why and the, and, the, and it was this Zeta Fest thing. Our hotel was across the street from the park we were playing. It had an amphitheater, you know, the things with the big concrete dome thing or whatever, half clamshell thing. Oh, Frank Ferrer. Yeah, 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 Frank. He he was the drummer in Honky Toast. And, uh, oh, cool. So the sponge guys, there was a little delay. We're like, what's going on? We're, 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 what's going on, guys? Are you going on? What's happening? They had to play the set with the guitar player because he couldn't find the venue. Which was across the street from the hotel. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, Vinny, what's up?" Singer's just like, "I don't know, man. This is up there with drums and bass, you know, wax ecstatic, wax ecstatic." <laughs> oh my god! What, what, are you, what are you currently reading, man? I was just handed a book uh, the other day that I had to reread. It is. In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts by Gabor Mate. Oh. And I highly recommend it, actually. Um, when I was halfway through my psych nursing degree, I looked at my addictions prof, Bert, or Berta. I said, Bert, I'm reading this book here with Gabor Mate, and uh, do you think I have ADD? She goes, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally right like uh yeah bro yeah but yes yeah, a lot of us in this business yeah. but um that that gentleman he he does stuff down in the uh downtown east side there and does a lot of great work for people he does a lot of great work with addictions and uh one of his great sayings you know is uh addiction is just a lack of connection and uh connection kills addiction because you have something to live for you know, and it's a beautiful thing. He's a he's a very wise man. He's a, a great author. And in the realm of hungry ghosts is a book I think everybody should read at least once in their life. Cool, cool. I'll, I'll write that down. <laughs> uh, so once the uh, once the tour is done, which hopefully is never done, I suppose. Yeah, what, exactly. What's, what's the rest of uh, of twenty three looking like for you guys? Well, this ongoing saga of uh, my documentary, the soundtrack and the score is going to probably be very prominent. Um, we're working, trying, to, we've got a company that's we're negotiating with to finish it up. And uh, hopefully I really want to get it out uh, before the end of the year or completed before the end of the year. So we can kind of take the band to South by Southwest to Sundance, have the film in, in, in these film festivals and have the band play in the musical component mm. of the film festival yeah. and then i i want to do a kind of a theater um run of m multimedia kind of thing where it's flat the movie's 
documentary is going to be called Flatlander and it'll be Flatlander Live. And uh, it's just the story of how when my mother died of cancer, um, I had graduated, had my nursing degree, and I took a job as the home and community care nurse at Chinooka Coordination. And in the process of working in that community, the elders and the members of that community kind of taught me, and 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 I understood the value of the gift that I was given by the Creator. You know, whether you're playing in front of 10 people or 10,000 people, you've been given a gift of music. And to not share that gift is insulting to the creator, to your family, and to your community. You have a debt to pay. And uh, I, at first, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the more that I worked with that community and went to sweats and did things and spoke with elders, the knowledge and the feeling that I gained was that, yeah, it's not, you know, like, yeah, so it's financially hard to be a musician in 2023. It's, you know, and all the other things. But this was a gift that was given to you, and you have a responsibility. And so I'm I'm fulfilling that promise to do my best to kind of, like, be a voice for that community and for those people that struggled through residential schools. And just to, to show, like, the average Canadian that maybe doesn't know much about Indigenous culture that this is a re resource a powerful resource of knowledge of greater understanding of humanity that uh, we should be taking advantage of because these people really 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 know a lot of things that that just kind of made me go Pow. and i felt closer to it's really hard to explain but doing a sweat and those ceremonies and it and the things that you experience and how you feel when you come out of that experience you're forever changed and you're forever there's more gratitude there's more you know just humility because you understand that you're just one tiny little bit in this huge vast you know energy field and we're all like kind of part of the one so the best thing for all of us to do is do the things that we're supposed to do the gifts were given celebrate those and just sort of move everyone society closer to the one closer to the good just you know we don't have to take the football across the finish line i just need to get a few yards i love that <laughs> i love that it's good to see you my friend thank you for doing this uh, I'll, I'll respect your time i'm going to see you in less than a month anyway in person at your show here in vancouver right uh, Trevor Hurst and his band econline crush are coming to a city near you in vancouver on june 24th we'll see you there uh june 24th at the pearl at the pearl baby yeah that's gonna be great downtown uh downtown vancouver on granville street at the pearl trevor yep. thanks bud we'll see you thanks, we'll uh, see you at the show care. we'll see you online we'll see you soon follow along on instagram twitter facebook youtube and soundcloud find us at toddcast podcast Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.